I'm, uh, I'm really excited today because we're starting a, a new series on the life of Joseph, Joseph the dreamer. And Joseph has always been one of my favorite characters. And as I've been preparing for this series and preparing for these messages, it's like there's just, there's moments in the story of Joseph's life that I'm so excited about that I kind of want to just skip right to them. I want to just get right to them. And can I just encourage you as we start this year, as we step into 2023, I just want to invite you just personally to prioritize gathering together at church with us in this new year. Make it a priority to be here, to be present in the community of God, and the house of God. I believe it's so important for us. And, and I know as you're thinking about what you want your new year to look like, you're probably thinking about your bank account and your body and your mindset. And I just want to invite you to think about your soul as well. I want to just invite you to remember the things that refresh your soul. And as I was preparing, I was honestly, I was so excited about the, the part of Joseph's story that comes next week that I was literally this week, I was like, I'm just going to skip week one. I'm going to just brush over it. I'll fill him in. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give the, the bare basic information. I'm going to skip right to it because I'm so excited about next week's message that I'm just going to skip this one entirely. But the more I planned, the more I prepared, the more I began to think about it. It's ironic that you would want to kind of skip the beginning and get to the good stuff in a series about a person who's a dreamer. Because that's kind of what you want to do as a dreamer in life. Like when you have a dream for your life, when you have a vision for your life, when you have a dream that you are really chasing after, you really just want to skip as much as possible to get to the good part, to get to the dream, get to the final moment. You just want to get to the dream. That The problem is if we skip to the parts of Joseph's story that we like without understanding really who he is and where he came from and more about this dream that he had, we won't properly appreciate those stages of his life. And the same is true for us. Because see, I think for us, we have a specific idea when we think about what it means to have a dream for our life. We have a specific picture in our mind when we talk about having a dream and a vision for our life. And my fear is if we apply our thoughts to the story of Joseph when it comes to dreams, if we apply our thoughts of dreams to his story, we'll actually misunderstand what God is doing in the life of Joseph. Because there's so much going on underneath the story of Joseph that we often miss in the grand view of what it actually means to be a dreamer. And so we kind of have to break down what did it actually mean for Joseph to have this dream and really who was Joseph. And so today I want to give you a little backstory about who Joseph was. And then really I want to give you three things that I believe are foundational for the weeks to come. That if we hear the rest of the story without understanding these three things, then we'll misunderstand the story of Joseph completely. Two of them are about the dream that he had, and one of them is about Joseph himself. We begin in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, before we even move on from that moment, I think it's so interesting that this chapter begins saying this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, is tending flocks. 
So the story of Joseph in the Bible begins by saying, this is the story of Jacob. This is the story of Jacob and immediately pivots in to Joseph. I think that's interesting and significant for those of us who are parents, for those of us who are connected to other people in our lives, that so often the story of our life might be unfolded, not by something we do, but by someone that we raise, by someone that we invest in, by somebody that, that we help to grow in the things of God. It says, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending flocks with his brother, the sons of Bilhah and sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, which is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word about him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I wonder why his brothers didn't like the dream. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said. I had another dream. And they're probably thinking, great. I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were all bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, we love the story of Joseph for really four words in that story. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And, and the fact that Joseph had a dream is actually pretty remarkable considering where he came from and his family background. Because you would think that for someone to really have a, a dream for their life, something that they could really go after, for somebody to have kind of a laser-focused vision in their life, they must have come from a background of someone who raised them to chase after their dreams, a healthy family environment, a system that produced this person that could somehow carry this dream. But the interesting thing about Joseph's family history is that Joseph has a very, very complicated family history. His father, Jacob, had to flee his homeland and go and live with his uncle Laban. And when he was there living with his uncle Laban, he fell in love with a young girl named Rachel. And he went to Laban and he said, listen, I will work for you for seven years in order to gain her hand in marriage. Seven years I'll work for you. And so he worked for seven years and he gets married to what he thinks is Rachel. But when he removes the wedding veil the next day, he finds out that in fact, Laban had pulled a fast one on him, and he had not married Rachel. He had married his other daughter, Leah. That's a big deal. Like, if you think that you have married one person only to find out that you've actually married someone else, this is no small matter. And so Jacob is understandably upset. He goes back to Laban, and he says, listen, you pulled a fast one on me. I want what you promised me. I want Rachel. And I would think at this point that the nice thing to do would be to give him Rachel. But he says, well, how about you work for me another seven years? How about you do what you've already done again in order to get what I promised you? And so Jacob so loved Rachel that he worked another seven years to get her as his wife. 
14 years invested in the marriage before they're married. 14 years of laboring in order to have the person that he loved. And he loved her so much. He regarded her so much higher than anyone else in his life. And, and Rachel gave him the son, Joseph. She had been barren all the way up until the time that she had Joseph. So Joseph was a very special person in Jacob's life. Jacob loved Joseph, it says, more than any of his sons from his other wives, that he regarded Joseph, that he treated him favorably, that he loved Joseph more. And as if that isn't a complicated enough family history, Joseph has a sister who is quite honestly taken advantage of sexually, and her brothers so harshly respond to the people who did this that it puts his entire family in danger and on the run. And so now they're in transition in the time that Joseph is a young man. His life is kind of in chaos. And if that weren't enough, his mother Rachel becomes pregnant with another child, and she dies giving birth to this child. So now Joseph is even more regarded in his father's eyes because now Joseph is the only representation of the love of his life, Rachel. And I give you all of this family background just to help you to realize that it doesn't matter the family history that you have. It doesn't matter the dysfunction and the deception that you come from because that is the history of Joseph's family. Jacob's name actually means deceiver. And so somehow from one generation to the next, Joseph's family tree changes from deceiver to dreamer. That somehow Joseph's family tree changes from someone who feels like he has to work the system to get everything he wants to somebody who says God will give you a dream to give you things that you could have never imagined. And it wasn't from a perfect family history. It wasn't from a perfect family system. It was from a very broken and unhealthy place. And yet somehow Joseph had a dream. Somehow Joseph had a dream despite all that he was faced with. And this is why, this is why I love Joseph. Because one of the things that you see throughout Joseph's life is that Joseph had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to become bitter. Joseph could have been very bitter about his family history. He could have been bitter about the way that his brothers hated him. He could have been bitter about what happened to his sister. He could have been bitter about his mother passing away during his brother's birth. But Joseph never allowed himself to be bitter. And I believe this is a huge component to why God was able to give Joseph a dream for his life is that Joseph did not allow himself to be bitter. Because bitterness will trap you in the past. Bitterness traps you in the moment you became bitter. Bitterness traps you in the circumstances that caused you to be bitter. And so it's very hard to have a dream for the future when you're trapped in the past. And bitterness will hold you in the past. And Joseph was a dreamer. And we identify with dreamers because our country understands dreaming. Our country was really birthed by a group of dreamers who believed they could have a better future. And so we, in fact, even have a term for ourselves, which is we say we chase the American dream. You don't really have to tell Americans to dream big. You don't really have to tell Americans to look at their life. Dreaming is, is in our DNA. The harder thing for us to understand is not that we were meant to live a dream, but whose dream were we meant to live? Whose dream were we meant to step into? Because we're, we're very good at trying to live our dream. But what I think is important is that we realize that Joseph lived the dream that God had for his life. That the path to Joseph's dream 
was probably not a path he would have laid out for himself, not a path he would have chosen for himself. And I think the problem for us today is that more people are chasing the dream that culture is telling them to live than the dream that God is telling them to live. And if we apply the story of Joseph only to the dreams that we have, we will misunderstand the deeper purpose that God has for us in forming our character to become the kind of person who can live the dream that God has for us. Joseph is a very unique character in scripture. He's one of the only characters in scripture who we actually have no negative written words about Joseph. Everybody else, we kind of know their flaws. David, we know his flaws. Abraham, we know his flaws. Even Joseph's father, Jacob, we know his flaws. But Joseph, it just seems like every turn, Joseph is making the right decision. Every time Joseph has an opportunity to be bitter, he's not being bitter. Every time Joseph has an opportunity to be greedy, he's not being greedy. Every time Joseph has an opportunity to serve, he is serving. And his story takes place in the book of Genesis where the the kind of hallmark and foundational stories of our faith take place. And so the book begins and we hear the story of creation and then we hear the story of Abraham and we hear the story of Isaac. We hear the story of of, of Noah and then suddenly we come to the story of Joseph. And 14 chapters in the book of Genesis are devoted to the story of Joseph. It's significant. And I believe there's a reason that there is so much significance and so much weight to Joseph's story, but we'll get to that at the end. See, I think often most of us start to look at our lives and we question what what are our dreams? What are our goals? What are our aspirations? What do I want to accomplish in this life? And how can I apply God's word to help me do that? But what we notice is that Joseph's dream starts with God, that Joseph has a a dream that he was not expecting, that Joseph has a dream that is from God. Joseph is different. Joseph is set apart. And so what we need to realize is that there are characteristics about Joseph's dreams that are different than our own dreams. And the first one is this. A God dream is motivated from identity, not for identity. A God dream is motivated from identity, not for identity. See, a lot of times... Joseph gets kind of a bad rap for being the most well-loved son, for knowing that he was the most well-loved son. I think this was actually crucial to the forming of Joseph's identity. I think that Joseph was actually such a secure person in his father's love that he could steward the dream that God had for him. That Joseph actually understood identity. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Joseph grew up never questioning the love of his father. And if you are in a place where you question whether God loves you, it's going to be very hard for you to embrace the dream that he has for your life. If you're in a place where you question the identity that God has given you, it's going to be very hard to trust him with the dream that you have for your life. If you don't believe that God loves you and favors you, it's going to be very difficult to dream the dreams that God has for you. It's going to be very difficult to hold on to them. See, you cannot tie your identity to your dream. See, what we don't see in the story of Joseph is we don't see someone seeking power and authority. We don't see someone seeking to rule his brothers. We don't see someone seeking to rule his father. We don't see someone who has this identity of being a ruler and then works towards it. We, have, so we see someone who works out of an identity of knowing that his father loves him and then ending up 
in the dream that God has for him, finding himself in the dream that God has for him. See, what happens is when you, when you know that you're loved and accepted by your father, you can actually come to your father with your dreams. See, Joseph came to his father and his brothers with his dream, and he told them what the dream was. And it obviously upset his father and his brothers. But I think it says something that he felt comfortable enough to actually go to his father and say, listen, I have this dream. I don't know what it means. I have this dream. Listen to this dream. I I don't quite know what it means. See, too often we chase dreams to establish our identity. If I can only get to this place, if I can only accomplish this dream, if I can only find myself in this position, then I'll know who I am. And more importantly, then everybody else will know who I am. Everybody else will know my identity, but the dreams of God have to be birthed out of an identity that we are loved and we are favored by God. They have to be birthed out of a secure identity that we are children of God loved by our Father. We have to realize that accomplishing our dreams is not what makes us loved by God. That accomplishing our dreams is not what makes us loved by God. We begin loved by God. So we have to operate from identity because operating from identity removes the temptation to take shortcuts. This is one of the things that we see all throughout the life of Joseph is time after time, he's presented with opportunities to take shortcuts. He's presented with opportunities where he could try to weasel his way into what he believes God has for him. And he never takes the shortcuts. See, when you think that your identity is wrapped up in your dream, you will do anything it takes to get there faster. Because if I can just get there, then my identity will be secure. If I can just get there, then people will know who I am. I will know who I am. If you need to prove yourself, you'll do anything to get there faster. But Joseph embraced the path that God had for him, even when it was more difficult, and even when it didn't make any sense, because he knew who he was. He knew that he was loved by his father. See, some of you are going to walk through days that you have no idea how you're ever going to get out of the situation that you're in, how how that this day could never connect to the dream that God has for my life. And you'll find yourself tempted to short circuit that dream in some way to try to take some kind of shortcut, some kind of compromise. But when you know that you begin loved by the Father, an identity that you are loved by the Father. You will not take those shortcuts. Number two is that God's dream for your life is not always immediately discernible. You can't always tell what it is when you first get it for your life. Sometimes God will give you a a picture of what your life may look like. Sometimes God will, will give you direction on what your life may look like, but it's not always immediately discernible. We have no indication in the story that Joseph had an idea about what the dream actually meant. This means that often when you start walking out the dream that God has for your life, not everyone will understand and celebrate you because not everyone will understand what the dream is. It says in verse eight, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? Verse five says they hated him because of his dream. When we talk about our dreams, we so often naturally look for affirmation. Like when you kind of reveal your plans and your dreams to somebody, you're looking for like, oh my goodness, that is so you. That is, that is, that, that is, that fits you. That is, that is so you, that is perfect. That you're going to be great at that. And that is all good. That is great feedback if you get it. But if you live for it, you will also die for it. Because Joseph went to his brothers and he said, listen to this dream I had and nobody was having it. 
Nobody was encouraging him. Nobody was like, yeah, that sounds great. We Actually, we'll go ahead and start bowing down to you now. Let's just, let's get this thing moving. Let's get this dream going. No, nobody was excited about Joseph's dream. You have to be secure enough in the dream that God gave you to know that even when people don't understand it, even when you don't fully understand it, you just take the next step that God has for you. Just because it's unclear doesn't mean it's not from God. Sometimes we think we have to wait for perfect clarity to believe that it's from God. Sometimes we have to believe we have to, that we have to know every single detail before we can accept that it's from God. But Joseph stepped into this dream not even knowing what it would look like, not knowing what his days would look like, not knowing the, the hardships that he would come up against. I, I was kind of thinking about this story and looking through the life of Joseph, and there's some remarkable things about the life of Joseph that I, I think are so necessary to really understand how he got to where he got, how he actually lived out the dream that God had for his life. And one of them is this concept of being willing to be misunderstood. Because all along the way, he's misunderstood. All along the way, he's forgotten about. All along the way, it seems like nobody is helping him get to his dream. I mean, when, when, when you step into a dream, I mean, the, the one thing people tell you is like, get around people who will help you accomplish your dream. And that's not bad advice. It's not life, bad life advice, but it's also not a guarantee. It's also not a guarantee. And that, that's what we see in the life of Joseph is we see someone who no one helped him get to his dream. In fact, all of the things that got Joseph to his dream would have seemed like setbacks in the moment. It would have actually seemed like people were opposing him in the moment. But all along, what you realize is that even when people are opposing him, God is still working to push him towards the dream that he has for him. That even when, when everything is uncertain, even when it seems like someone is coming to end the dream, God somehow uses it to propel Joseph into the place that he has for him. See, because when you walk through your everyday life, you're going to have days where you feel like, man, everything is against me. There is no way that I can actually accomplish what God has for me. There's no way that I can live a life of meaning and intention and value with all of these external forces coming against me. But the story of Joseph reminds us that there is no external force that can stop you from getting on the path that God has for you. That if Joseph had sat down and laid out his life after he had seen the dream, it would not have looked like the life that he actually ended up living. And yet he still got to the place that God has for him. And I think that should be an encouragement to some of you in this place this morning who thought you had it all figured out. It should be an encouragement for some of you this morning that thought you knew the path that thought you knew the way, that thought you knew the next step, but you're stepping into 2023 going, I have no clarity. Like everybody is, everybody is posting their word for the year and their direction. Everybody is stepping into the new year with their resolutions and everything laid out exactly what they're planning to accomplish. And I'm stepping into the new year more confused, more uncertain than I've ever been in my life. You are in good company. And you are in good, the good company of people that accomplished great things for God. You are not just in good company of people who somehow redeemed their lives. You are in the company of people who accomplished great things for God because God will take that opposition. God will take that lack of clarity. God will take that uncertainty and he will use it to get you where he wants you to go. See, the story of Joseph is a lot less about Joseph making all the right choices to get to his dream. And it's more about Joseph becoming the kind of person that God could take to his dream. That all along the way, God is forming Joseph's character in order to make him the kind of person that can inherit the dream that he had for him. 
that all along the way, God is trusting Joseph to take the next step and the next step and the next step, even when it seems impossible. We were talking this week with some friends about people who are really good at noticing people that look like other people. My wife is incredible at seeing someone and immediately being like, that person looks like this person. And it's like a connection that you would never in the world, like right when she says it, you're like, that is, you're right. That is exactly right. She, that, they look just like, and she does it so fast. I'll be like, we'll be watching a movie and I'll be like, this person reminds me of someone. She'll be like, it's, and just name like some rant. Oh, it's the guy from the progressive commercial who does that. And I'm like, what? No, it's, yes, you're right. That's actually exactly who it is. She's incredible at making this connection of like people who look like other people. And I'm not so good at it. Like I, because when, because she's good at it, I like to try to do it. And so I'll be like, oh, this guy looks like someone. And then I'll pull it up and I'll be, look, doesn't he look just like this? And they should be like, no. Like, no, this, this, they don't look alike at all. They don't look similar at all. And so I'm not that great at it. And we lived near a CVS uh, a couple years ago that we would frequent because it was literally like right at the end of our, um, our block. And so like if we just needed something last minute, we were constantly going up there. And so I knew the cashiers and there was this one cashier. Every single time I went in there, she was like, you look just like my friend Josh. And I was like, all right, I'm not Josh, you know? And every single time, gosh, you look just like my friend Josh. Every single time, every single time. I can't believe, are you sure you're not related to Josh? All, and I'm like, listen, I don't know Josh. I don't know, I've never met Josh. I, you know, I'm kind of tired of the conversation, but it's cool, whatever. And so, so one time I come in, and by the time I get up to the register, she's like, I found a picture of Josh. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't ask you to do that, but... <laughs> Anyway, she's like, you look just like this guy. You're not going to believe this. It's going to be like looking in a mirror. She turned her phone around, and listen, I love everyone. This was an odd-looking fellow. <laughs> like, like, I was like, I literally, I took a second, and I was like, this has to be a joke. This has to be a joke. And I was like, God, I wish that Kristen was here because she would be able to, con she'd be able to confirm or deny because if this person looks like me, I look nothing like what I thought I looked like. And that is a huge revelation that I don't look how I thought I looked. And I, I, I love this connection of, of people who look like other people because I am so bad at it. And what you'll realize as you go through the life of Joseph, and this is why I think that there are 14 chapters devoted to the life of Joseph, what you'll realize when you look at his life is that Joseph looks a lot like someone else. That Joseph's life looks a lot like someone else's life. And Joseph, Joseph's life was uniquely loved by his father. Joseph was uniquely loved by his father. When Jesus was baptized, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Joseph was despised by his brothers. The crowd and the religious people despised and crucified Jesus. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit. Jesus was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit. Joseph was placed between two criminals for these crimes. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. 
One of the prisoners next to Joseph in his cell was released into freedom. One of them was killed. One of the criminals on the side of Jesus was released into paradise, and one died. Joseph was ultimately put in charge of everything the king had. In Matthew, Jesus said, the father has committed everything into my hands. Joseph was the one that hungry people had to go to in order to eat and find grain. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never hunger again. As you look at the life of Joseph, what you'll start to realize is that his life looks a lot like the life of Jesus that his life looks a lot like the life of Jesus. And the reason this is important is we have to understand this as we walk through the life of Joseph. Because ultimately, the dream that God has for your life is less about you accomplishing your dreams and ultimately more about you looking more like Jesus. That if you just took one chapter of the life of Joseph, you may not realize that it looked like Jesus' life. If you just took one story from the life of Joseph, you may not realize that it looked like Jesus, but when you look back on his life, you say it is undeniable that the the writers of the Old Testament were trying to tell us the story of Jesus through the life of Joseph. And my question for you as you step into the new year, as you form your dreams, as you think about what you want your life to look like in 2023, sure, think about 2023, but think about what you want your life to look like when someone looks back over the entire course of your life and ask yourself, will the dreams that God has for my life, will the dreams that I have for my life, if I accomplish those dreams, will my life look more like Jesus? Will my life look more like his life? Will my life look more like a life that reflects the life of Jesus? Because that is where the dreams that God has for your life should lead you. They should lead you to a place where people see your life, but really they see the life of Jesus. They see your days, but really they see the characteristics of Jesus. And are there places in your life, are there places in the dreams that you have for your life that would cause you to look less like Jesus. See, because when, when you're living your everyday life, just like Joseph, you're gonna have opportunities for greed. You're gonna have opportunities for selfishness. You're gonna have opportunities to compromise your integrity. You're gonna have those opportunities. And so the filter that we should run our dreams through, the filter that we should see the life of Joseph through, the filter that we should see our life through is as I live out this dream, when it's all said and done, when it's all accomplished, will I look more like Jesus? If you accomplished every one of your New Year's resolutions and every one of your plans that you have for your life this year, would you look more like Jesus? Would your life look more like the life that he has for you to live? See, as we walk through this story over the next several weeks, as we continue to tell the story of Joseph, I want us to see the story of Jesus. I want us to see the sacrifice of Jesus. I want us to see the humility of Jesus. I want you to see the the love of Jesus through the story of Joseph. See, I think the problem is that so often when we tell his story, we think about it through the lens of our own life. We think about it through the lens of of what we can accomplish. But the story of Joseph is a story about what God can do with a life that is surrendered. The story of Joseph is a story about what God can do with a life that is given fully over to his plan. The story of Joseph is a story of what God can do in the life of one person who listens and follows his dream for his life. Will you bow your heads with me this morning?